You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Yes, it is the Oz Network, another television arm of the Oz Network, and what an exciting moment this is to be able to talk to you today. If you are listening to this episode, you, like me, are a huge fan of, let's say, the greatest TV show ever made that you don't even know is the greatest TV show ever made because it really gets no attention and it doesn't matter because what I say is right and that is all that matters. We're here to talk about Third Watch. I am so excited that I can actually utter those words in front of a microphone because this show, my goodness, what a show it is. A lot of you probably have never heard of it if you are listening to this and you're not a fan. You're thinking, oh, what's this? Is this some new show? It's not new, but you should treat it like it's new. Go and find it and watch it. I'm already talking it up so much and we haven't even barely talked about what it is, but this is what will happen on this because, again... I am so excited. My name is Ben, and by the end of this episode, I'll be in a thong. That is awesome. <laughs> My name is Brandy. 22 horses, I got a gun, a siren, a tank full of city gas. Don't you love it? <laughs> you know, I will say that was one of my backup quotes. I was thinking of using that one. But uh, I also, I should take this opportunity, actually. You've never heard Brandy on this show before. This is this is Brandy's very first episode. I want to welcome you, first of all, to the Oz Network, because this is exciting. There's a bit of a background of how this even came about. I've been desperate to find someone to podcast Third Watch with me, because Nick, Noah, Colin, let's be honest, they're stupid. They've never seen Third Watch. That's generally what they are. So I put the word out to find someone to be able to talk to about this, uh, a Facebook group dedicated to fans of Third Watch. You responded, Brandy. You said, I would absolutely love to do this. We had been talking for the last yeah. week or so about how this would work. And here you are. So can I just, first of all, extend a welcome to you and thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. I, <laughs> I was surprised to like get the offer to the fullest and he called me that night. It was so exciting. And then this whole week I kept thinking about it and I was like, this is going to happen. I cannot wait. <laughs> well, that's exactly the feeling that I've been having too, because, uh, yeah, this, this show, this show, I mean, wow. We, we, we're going to kind of give a bit of a background of our, I guess, why we're into this show. What's it about? And things like that before we obviously talk about the first episode entitled Welcome to Camelot. Now, again, if you're listening to this, maybe you are just, for some reason, subscribed to us on iTunes and listen to every episode, no matter what it's about. Thank you very much, Catherine. I'm sure that's probably you. But um, basically, this show ran between 1999 and 2005. It went for six seasons. So, it's not just a random show that only lasted for, you know, a couple of seasons. 132 episodes of this were produced. And it tells the tales of the uh, police, firefighters, and paramedics in New York City, mainly the fictional 55th Precinct, and kind of just their interactions that they have with each other. Now, it came uh, from the uh, some producers of ER, John Wells and Edward Allen Bonero, uh, basically came together after working on ER and had idea that they would create a show similar to this. I think it was uh, from memory, uh, was it both of them maybe, John Wells and Edward Allen Bonero, they worked within the Chicago uh, police and had always had this idea, um, but they had never really been able to sort of do it. They had kind of paramedic storylines a little bit on ER, but really wanted to actually make this into a separate show. And I believe it sort of it started off very well. It aired on NBC, similar to obviously ER, and um, obviously I think faded away a little bit towards the end. And my background of this show, uh, huge ER fan, 
that was kind of the very first adult show I was ever allowed to watch growing up uh, through my mum. And uh, mum and I used to watch ER together. And then this was advertised. And I remember mum watched the first episode. She's like, look, I think you would like this, Ben. So I watched the first episode and I guess was hooked ever since. And, and the rest is history. Um, Brandy, I don't know. I mean, I mean how's your, your history, I guess, when it comes to, to watching Third Watch? Pretty similar. It's pretty rele- relevant. My mom, she was one day sitting on the sofa, and she was watching this show, and I came in pretty late. Sergeant Cruz, at this time, which which is one of the characters, she's amazing, by the way, <laughs> but she was one of the characters, and there was something that was going on, and it was a, a tense scene, and I asked my mom, what is this? Who is this? <laughs> and she told me, and ever since then, I was stuck, and <laughs> I watched every episode, even though when she stopped watching it, I kept going. And that's just my history. It was basically the same way, like, your mom got you into it. My mom got me into it, and I stuck with it, even when she just gave up. I don't know if she gave up or she just found another show, but I think it's better than ER. Well, that's my. I mean, I agree. I agree with that. Like, I mean, again, huge ER fan. I probably say that's maybe my third, fourth favorite show of all time. And I would love to cover ER here on the Oz Network. But given that's 15 seasons compared to six seasons, uh, we'd be in for a very long haul with that one. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I completely agree with you. I mean, you obviously then, if you started seeing it with Sergeant Cruz, I mean, she what comes in season four. So I'm guessing you obviously then went back and watched the earlier episodes then once you got into it. Many times. I watched every single episode because I wanted to know her backstory. Because when I got into it, there was a lot of heat around her. And, like, some of the people that were watching the show already were talking about how bad she was or this and that. And I didn't know. And I loved her, so I couldn't see it. And so I would go back and watch every episode just to get the feel. And by then, I still loved her. That didn't change my mind. I loved her even more. Mm. I mean, this show, for me, I love the fact that it jumped into the grittiness. Right into the grittiness. Absolutely. It was down in grittiness. Right from the beginning of the episode. And I think that's what drew me and Mar was just, it was gritty from the day one where some shows take a few episodes or so just to get to that story plot. But with Third Watch, they jumped right into it, pulled you in with the music and everything, the plot, the dialogue, the characters. It's just powerful. Completely agree with you. And, and we're going to talk about that because I, I think one thing that I will say, um, you know, jokes aside about saying why people have never seen this show, um, I mean, it. We're going to be completely biased in turning around and saying why we think you should watch it. But Third Watch has always been, and always was, a very character-driven show. And you really feel it, particularly in, I I would say, the first five, five and a half seasons. um, You know, I mean, it tailed away a little bit in the six, but there was still that element there. But it was really kind of unique in the fact that here you have a show about firefighters, paramedics, and police, all of whom have very you know, intense jobs that all can warrant their own TV shows based purely on their professions. I mean, obviously, the amount of police shows there are out there. We've got firefighter shows out there, and there are even paramedic shows out there, which I guess you can cross into, say, the medical style of shows like an ER or a Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Hope, things like that. With the fact that they can intertwine all three of these professions with these characters and sort of base it around that just works so well. I mean, these characters on this show, I think you and I talked a little bit about this last week when we were prepping for this, there's really not any of these characters that you can dislike. I mean, they're, they've written a certain way that you're meant to dislike them, but if you watch it constantly over the run of the show, you re-watch it like we have, you know, you always have your ups <laughs> and downs when it comes to, you know, your opinions on certain characters, but you, you really grow to love these people. I mean, there's particular... Um, 
I think there's only five of the uh, characters that are, are literally in every single episode of this show. Four of them are police officers. One of them is a paramedic. I'm talking about Davis, Yokus, Carlos, uh, Sully, and Bosco. Uh, literally, basically, in every episode. Yes. At least at least credited for every episode. I mean, I, I would question that when we get to future seasons when the likes of Bosco and Yokus are kind of, you know, MIA for a few episodes when they've kind of been shot. No spoilers, hopefully, in that. But, um, you know, for the most part, I mean, they're the backbones across these six seasons. But the other characters that come and go, they basically kept the core cast of Third Watch, I would say, for for five seasons. You know, I mean, the the original actors stayed there. We we have one, I think, in the first five seasons that leaves uh, in the second season. And then we obviously have a new major character introduced in the second season who leaves at the end of the fourth. But if you look at the original actors who are in this first episode we're going to talk about, only one of them is not in the fifth season, uh, which is a pretty decent run for a show, for a network show like this, when a lot of the time they have such high turnover. I mean, I agree. I With this kind of show, I think it was one of the first kind to do something like this, where it had the paramedics, the firefighters, and the cops all entwined. Like, I, like in the first episode, you're going to see, like, how they introduced each and every character, or in every uh, character dynamic and relationship. And I think it was the first show to do that, for to actually go deep into it. And so I'm not surprised they had a good run. I'm not surprised, and I'm not surprised that a lot of the, the cast members stayed throughout the seasons. Mm. There, there was a, a similar, similarly themed show. It was called Help, uh, H.E.L.P, about nine years ago, which uh, didn't really last that long. Um, and I'm just sort of, to, to go over what I was saying before, it was, um, it was Bonero, who was the former Chicago cop, who had kind of wanted to do uh, a show based on his experiences. So John Wells um, had also wanted to do that paramedics theme. And so originally the show actually was conceived as just police and paramedics together. Um but basically, uh, the, to add firefighters, and I, I love this story because this is in, as if you get, the one thing I'll say about Third Watch, it's only ever been released, the first two seasons have ever been released on DVD. So the latter four seasons have never officially been released. Uh, but they are still available sort of in other channels out there if you're trying to find them. We'll talk about that, of course, across the episodes because there are varying reasons about that. But in uh, on the Season 1 DVD, there is a fantastic uh, mini documentary on the show. And again, for a show like Third Watch, it wasn't necessarily a huge, huge hit. So there isn't a whole lot of, you know, shows and, you know, documentaries and things made about it. I, this was a great documentary about the show. Um, so the show originally was Police and Paramedics. But uh, Jimmy Doherty, the firefighter, was added purely in the base of Eddie Cibrian, who auditioned for the role of Bosco, but essentially because people found Eddie Cibrian so good-looking. Uh, he was walking through the offices of where he had auditioned, and there were literally women working in this office going, wow, who's that? He's sexy. I hope he's on the show. So they basically had to work around this fact and created a firefighter element to this to add him to the, to the show. Uh, which I find amazing. I mean, poor Eddie Cibrian for the fact that, oh, you're, you're judged on your looks. I mean, gosh, what a what a hard life he must have. But, I mean, I, I always found that interesting that essentially firefighters were added to this show because Eddie Cibrian is sexy. True. True. <laughs> True. You know, and a fun fact for Third Watch is that throughout the seasons, even season one, I was just watching the first episode today, and I realized there's some characters that... You would notice in other shows, like some of the actors, oh, yeah. 
like guest actors, you'll notice in other shows. And I never actually truly focused on that until truly getting into the show and like rewatching it just for this podcast. And I was like, whoa, like one of the characters in the show, he was like a, a conductor. And I was like, I know that guy. Yes. He's so popular. He's now. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> Among many things. <laughs> but <when> you, <laughs> it's awesome. It's like, because when you uh, watched it at the first, you're like, you just focus on your characters. But when you realize it, it's like, wow, Third Watch really was that great. Where it, it was just, I don't, it's, there's no, there's no, it's hard to describe it. Because it's just, there's so many words to describe it that makes it what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, Completely agree, and and you discover that when, whenever you're doing rewatches of these shows, the fact that you you find so many of these people, I guess, that um you you notice from other shows. David Zayas is who you're talking about. I've just I've had to pull up his name there, but uh, I know him mainly from watching Dexter. Uh, he was uh, Batista and Dexter, but I mean again, as you, you're absolutely right, he's been in so many things. I mean, he was in Gotham um, recently. Um, he I think it was uh was that movie that Alien attack movie he was in um skyline that's what i'm thinking of uh but yeah i mean just looking here at his credits i mean he has been in everything um so um you will find that with a lot and we'll also go over the fact that there are actually some pretty well-known actors who have appeared in guest roles across the run and one thing too third watch did which when we eventually get to these episodes uh, we will no doubt have to actually watch the corresponding episode with the other show third watch did two crossover episodes with different shows obviously i mentioned er um third watch did an er crossover episode which can i just say maybe the most excited i have ever been for a tv show in my life when i saw this advertised the fact that they were doing an er third watch crossover i lost my shit um and they had two great episodes i did not see you didn't you didn't see it or i er i did not that was one of my biggest regrets wow well we'll we'll have to cover that for you brandy we'll have to obviously do a special one-off er episode that time around because they do obviously the storylines correlate with each other across the two episodes um and then similar to medical investigation the very short-lived show which i don't even know how long that lasted for but i think it was in the sixth season wasn't it um they did a crossover with that and i think i've actually only ever seen that episode of medical investigation once like similar maybe to what you're saying about haven't seen the er one i didn't go out of my way i think i watched medical investigation purely because i knew they did a third watch crossover episode um but it's i mean it's unique that you have a show that is in the same i guess universe as different shows because i know like csi did all those crossover episodes with each other because you know they're all csi shows and didn't hawaii 5 do a crossover show with something somebody recently or something but um it's kind of rare isn't it to kind of have these crossover episodes nowadays i feel it is however i know um for the viewers that are listening to this, if you like Chicago PD, mm-hmm. Chicago Fire, that kind, of, that kind of show, that is basically Third Watch and it's prime. And because I know Chicago PD and Chicago Fire do a lot of crossovers now as well. So you got the firefighters, the paramedics, and the officers, and and it just reminds me of so much of how Third Watch did that. Yeah. And so, like I said, I mean, Third Watch was like one of the first shows to like do the whole paramedic, cop, and firefighters. Which was pretty cool because I, a lot of the shows were like just one dimension, where this show was just had crossovers. It had, it had focus on every character. Yeah, and I I, I don't watch Chicago Pete. I've I'm seen. I I think I started watching Chicago Fire at the beginning, and yeah, I got huge third watch vibes from it. The one show that I say I will watch, which um, 
I get a lot of third watch vibes from is Blue Bloods. If anybody out there uh, watches Blue Bloods, uh, I mean, that's into its about seventh season now, I think. But there are, I mean, that's obviously based around sort of a, you know, a longstanding family of police officers in New York City. But it's, um, it's, it's got a lot of elements, which I find are similar. A lot of actors from third watch have been in Blue Bloods and, you know, similar to that. But I mean, even looking at here, if you, if you go to the third watch Wikipedia page and it says genre, kind of touching what you were saying about all the different elements, they, they can't even put this into one genre. It's literally under crime, drama, medical, and police procedural. So it's got four different genres yes. essentially to cover it. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's unique. Just, I just want to touch on quickly. We are going to talk about, talk about this episode because that's what we're here to do. We always sort of knew this first one will be a little bit longer just because we've got to go over our background. But I mean, I just want to point out my obsession with this show. Um, I mean, even I guess in the moments here on Skype that we're recording this on, Brandy, you would have seen my username, which in itself is Third Watch reference. Um, <laughs> Which is N- yes. NYC five five David. If people want to add me on Skype, sure, go for it. Um, but it's it's literally from the show. Um, I, my email address is still related to Third Watch. Um, I kind of have a weird obsession with the NYPD based purely on watching Third Watch. So uh, the two times I've been to New York, I've gone up to NYPD officers who get my photo taken with them. I get excited every time I see an NYPD car. Um, I've bought NYPD, you know, T-shirts, sweaters, things like that, any merchandise I can get my hands on. Um, And I actually, (laughs) one of the times I went to New York, true story, I found the location where they would film the firehouse and the police are basically where their headquarters are. Uh, and I went out to Queens and got my photo taken in front of the firehouse where they filmed it. Uh, it's still there. It is still there. It is still an active firehouse and it is still there if you are in New York and you want to go and see it. Because this show, can we add, was filmed completely in New York, even the internal scenes. There was no studio sets of this. This was a New York film show. Um, so it wasn't sort of created on a soundstage in Los Angeles. Um, which adds to the element, we'll talk about that, the fact that New York is a character of this show. Um, and then also, I I would go on eBay to try and find sort of, you know, merchandise and things from Third Watch, which, again, doesn't exist, because this show really wasn't that popular enough to have merchandise behind it. <laughs> but I do own, and I spent a lot of money on this, uh, I do own a copy of the uh, the script for this episode that we're about to watch, Welcome to Camelot, signed by the entire cast. So that is one of my very. I heard. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I've heard about that. Yeah. The script. I see. I will have to. And I, I will have to take a photo for you. I have to take a photo and put it up online. Um, it's probably actually in a so box jealous. somewhere because you know I've moved so much recently. But um, it's one of my most prized possessions. The fact that I can own that, and I can also just add. Uh, I have also had the uh, the honour of interviewing two cast members from the show. I've interviewed Michael Beach and Anthony Ruivava. Um, and one thing we are really hoping to do throughout this rewatch is to perhaps get Michael back on, Anthony back on, or some of the other actors on this show uh, to talk about. Because one thing we'll also talk about, you were mentioning, Brandy, of course, the fact a lot of these uh, people we're seeing in this have gone on to other things. And there are several of the main cast who have gone on to bigger and better things, but there is probably the majority of this cast, I would almost argue, really sadly haven't done a whole lot or or I guess major stuff since they've popped up here and there it's not like they're not working but it's not like they've gone on to you know be a main star in another network show so which is surprising because we really do have some good actors in this show I find that is true I know um for a few of them and we talked about them some of the major characters like 
Monroe, uh, Nina Long, who plays Monroe in the later season, she went on to do some great things. And Eddie as well. Bobby is doing a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And Tim Raver, like you said, she was doing a lot of shows as well after afterwards. Was it was it twenty four? Was it twenty four? Yeah, she, she left did? she left Third Watch to go to twenty four. She went from my yeah. favorite show to go to my second favorite show. Yeah. So thanks, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> and then thank you because she also did Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, she then went to the worst show, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, that's I don't know. I'll rip shit into Grey's Anatomy. You'll you'll get angry at me a lot throughout these because, you know, I'm not a fan, but anyway. (laughs) No, that's fine. Because Grey's Anatomy, I have a hate and love relationship. Okay. You know, but yeah. (laughs) So the first episode as well. Do you want to get into that? Oh, let's let's do it. I'm excited. Yeah, look, we can can talk about our fandom for this all day, Brandy, but we will definitely get into this episode. So, yeah, welcome to Camelot. It's the uh, first episode and um, first aired uh, all the way back in uh, 1999, September the 22nd, uh, 1999, uh, 23rd, I will say, correct myself. Um, And one thing I'll say, it's like, there are many elements to this show that do feel dated, but there are also a lot of elements to this show that do hold up. I mean, at the time of recording this, uh, it's 2017, so this is 18 years old now. <laughs> I mean, if, if Third Watch was a person in Australia, it would legally be allowed to drink right now. Um, so, <laughs> it's an adult now. I was nine when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I was 12 when this came out, so, uh, you know, it was it was... That's how how long ago it is, but we get a great opening to this episode. Um, you know, we, we hear straight away, right here, right now by Fatboy Slim. Great song, great music, great soundtrack Third Watch has. It's something we will talk a lot about throughout uh, doing these episodes. But we kind of get a bit of a, a sort of almost a montage of, uh, I guess, scenes we will see throughout this episode of a lot of these, um, you know, characters working in their field, you know, Carlos working on some uh, people there, police chasers, everything along those lines. Very fast-paced action already straight away. And then we kind of cross to this cop chase, uh, this fantastic opening sequence. We meet Bosco and Yokus. Um, two, they're two characters that are, are in this entire show right until the end. And got to say it, as you can tell, I've mentioned Five Five David is my username. Uh, my favourites, Bosco. Look, the just the best thing on this show, and this is the greatest show of all time. So, like that's that's a big goal, but we'll get through. It is. We'll, no, no, I agree. It is. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will get through this, but we get this great little chase, Bosco. We're kind of learning a little bit about him. He's a bit angry. Uh, it's a bit, um, you know, hot-headed <laughs> when it comes to this. You know, we get Yokus like, damn, boss, you're giving me whiplash. And obviously Yokus is the one here to try and calm him down and uh, gets out of the car, chases after this perp. And, uh, you know, Yokus, he'll have a little quip, we've got a car. Um, but Yokus doesn't care. Uh, uh, Bosco, sorry, doesn't care. And uh, chasing him all the way down, we meet Sully who's there waiting to uh, to catch the guy that Bosco is chasing. Bosco's extremely angry, yelling at Sully, like, you know, let, it, let him go, let him out, I want to go at him. And Sully's just like, oh, you know, take a deep breath, count to ten. Uh, <laughs> just, this is, I love this opening scene. We, we basically find out that somebody has graffitied on Bosco's car with the words, Bosco is a dick. Um, to which Bosco says, I've pulled him for curfew three times. They were his last words that he said to me. And then Sully drops the perfect line. A lot of people could have written that. <laughs> I mean, 
but Bosco was the perfect character. Oh, yes, with the dialogue, to say the dialogue. Yes, Jason Wiles. He's <laughs> one of these he... actors who, as I was mentioning before, really hasn't done much since Third Watch. But we were going to talk him up so much in this this podcast. He was, I think, coming into this, he was known. He was on uh, Beverly Hills 90210, I believe. Uh, as a heartthrob, oh. you know, back in the early 90s, you know, sexy guy that all the girls loved. But here he is, a hard as nails, tough-ass New York City beat cop. And this this, this <laughs> opening scene just sells him so well as why Bosco is so darn great. Yeah. Bosco. I think what I love the most about that one scene is right when Solly, he captures a part, puts him in the car, and he asks Jokis, how do you deal with him? Most kids grow up. <laughs> and Jokis is a mom, by the way. She has two two lovely children at their home in this show. And <laughs> Bosco is like her third child, which makes the dynamic of the characters awesome. Funnier, because you see it with Jokis. She's, she's strong-willed. She's calm. And Bosco is just gun-happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's gun-ho. He's, <laughs> he's like, he is awesome. I mean... Like you said, we're going to talk him up a lot because I think he was he's he was a char- the right character to like put the show on. Yeah. You know, he put the show on in the first place. You know, like all the other characters did too, but Bosco being in the first scene just made it just right there like lovable. Yeah, and it's you know, fast paces everything. Like I completely agree, and this is the thing. I mean, all these characters have these elements, but we're learning. I mean, in this opening sequence. You know, we're, we're learning about Bosco as we're kind of talking about. You mentioned about Yokus. We, we learn pretty much straight away she's a mum. And, I mean, that's a huge storyline. You know, here's Yokus, this, this woman in a real kind of like uh, an, an industry, which I guess even in this point is still, I guess, very masculine-driven, isn't it? You know, and she's trying to fit in. and I mean, she does it well. and she, I don't think she's even trying. She does fit in. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we get a scene in this episode, don't we, about, I guess, her kind of being mistaken as a male, but we'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, we learn, obviously, she's a mother. Uh, and then we've got Sully, who's kind of, you know, this, this guy who's been doing this, what, for 30-odd years. You know, he's the he's the long-serving cop. He's seen it all. He's He's got his own ways and means of doing it. Again, we learn that very soon when he meets, he gets Davis on yeah. board. Um, but it's just, oh. it's a great introduction to these three characters. And, I mean, it's 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 even great, you know, Bosco, when he's like yelling at Yoko, as you were saying, the scene when it's like, you know, I just think of one of his, uh, you know, as one of my kids, it makes it easier. And he's in the background going, if you want to go, let's go. Like, he's just, he's acting like a child at that point because he's so angry. And then as they drive off, you he know, is. the finger up there is a puppet. Is that his he's name? Like, he's the finger up. He's like, damn it, crazy son. You know, basically, he's about to, I think he's about to drop the F word, isn't he? And he's like, mother. And then they hear the sirens go off. Yes. And you just, right then you know, this is going to be one funny ride. It's going to be a ride. (laughs) Oh, I mean, in the next scene, I mean, some of the next scenes is funny because you get a more feel. Like, one of my favorite scenes, not too long after the first scene, is that they come to this car accident Mm -hmm. where this lady, I'm sure she had been drinking. And there's this guy he has to get through. And he's like, I have to get to the other side. And Bosco's like, yo, kiss. Yo, kiss. <laughs> it's just that scene cracks me up. a huge problem here. Like, this guy has to get through. <laughs> get to the other side. And you I'll, you drive, I'll shoot anyone that gets in our way. <laughs> and the guy's like, hey, I, you know what, I'm good. It's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we do get thrown into this kind of going back to what you were saying about how um, it's very full on. Like, it, it really straight away in your face and 
I mean, look, I guess we can compare it a lot to ER across two, because, I mean, if anybody ever remembers the first episode of ER, I mean, that was, again, very in your face. I mean, these, these are people who are working horrific jobs. I mean, they are, like, as we, we're seeing in this scene, they're first responders to these tragic accidents. And, um, again, what makes Third Watch so good is it's, we get that human element around it. Like, it's so easy to have just your, you know paint by the numbers procedural drama where it's all about the crime it's all about this and we've got to solve it from a to b let's move on to next week to see what happens then i mean you know you're used to it this is the 90s i mean we didn't really you know hbo i think was just becoming a thing you know we're, we're now obviously in a different age of television but this is kind of just your, your go-to show but we really get that human element to it and what makes this particularly this first episode really good is I mean, two of the characters we get we meet, uh, obviously Carlos and Davis. They're both on their first days of their job, so we're obviously both kind of seeing it from their eyes and really, I guess, learning and feeling for these two characters because you know we're new to this show uh, for the most part. We're new to this world unless you you know coming into this as a policeman, firefighter, or, or paramedic. You know we don't know what this is like. So to kind of really get that element, and yeah, you're right. Like this, this scene we've got this, you know, tragic car accident, and a woman is what run a red light and basically cause a massive accident. There's a, you know, dead bodies everywhere on the street. They're they're working so hard. We get this fast pacing, and kind of even into the lead up though, just the human side of it. The fact that we've got Kim and Bobby. We meet Kim and Bobby. You know, Kim's complaining about the the mess that has been left behind in the, in the rig beforehand, and we've got calm Bobby there on the on the speaker, basically, you know, move to the right, and then Kim's like, "You're other right." Um, and then, you know, rushing, hot-footing it to get to this scene. It's like how quickly they've got to kind of just go from having a normal life conversation to, you know, basically having to save people's lives. I mean, this is their life. Um, and it's just this whole sequence, you know, as you mentioned with Bosco yelling at people. We've got, um, you know, even little throwaway bits there of Kim sort of on the uh, the radio back to the hospital. You know, oh, oh, hey, Dana. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is working today. You called her, right? Like, it's kind of like, probably not the time to talk about your personal life, but hey, you know, I guess they're just used to it. Um, and then, yeah, over here we've got Carlos, meeting Carlos, wearing the hat. What's the new kid's name? New kid! Um, you know, not a, he's thrust into this. He has no idea what he's doing. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, it's just hectic. This whole sequence is just so hectic. But again, as you said earlier, you're just thrown into it. You are. And that's what drew me to it. And that's what I love about it. You know, and, um, with Carlos, it's cool because you see, I like how, like they had the vet veterans, like Sully, Mm -hmm. who's like, I'm fed up. Now he has this new kid under his belt. And then you also meet Doc, who's one of the main characters. He's right off the bat. You they show that he's one of the characters that have it together. He's mature. He's he's wise, and he doesn't. He has no nonsense. Mm-hmm. And so Carlos, it's like it's the two veterans have two new kids, and so it makes good. It makes a good uh, dynamic right there as well. And but it's funny because when you see Bobby, who like you said was talking to Kim, that's her partner. He take. He's like Carlos. He's like, what's your name? And he's like Carlos. He's like, if you don't know something, ask. Yeah. And right there, you also see. I don't know. It's hard to explain because Bobby. Did they show? Did they actually show that he was in love with Kim yet? Because I believe they show like glimpses. They're starting to lead up to the glimpses. I wouldn't of, say the first. And I don't episode, want to fast. Yeah, I mean, look. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert: Bobby's in love with Kim. But um, we we kind of get elements, I guess, in this. I mean, we, when we get to the second episode, like it's it's built there, and I mean. Um, it's not kind of obvious. I don't think we really have the time really to develop that. I mean, we get the, we get like the throwaways later on, which I'll have a little bit to say about when we're learning about you know Kim and and Jimmy. 
um, you know, things like that later on. But yeah, I don't think we get that straight away. But yeah, I mean, Bobby's kind of that heart, isn't he? Like, Bobby's the the nice guy. Bobby's the, the you know, the sensitive new age guy. He's attractive New York paramedic. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a sweet guy. And then kind of, we haven't met Jimmy yet, but I mean, Jimmy's kind of, you know, he's also this sort of like sexy, you know, he's a firefighter, but he plays up to it. He's the playboy. He's the, he's the ladies man. Whereas they kind of bounce off each other, which obviously is a recurring storyline with Kim. But I mean, mentioning Doc, yeah, we meet Doc, Michael Beach. As I said, I've, I've had the pleasure of interviewing him. I mean, kind of coming into this, Michael Beach had been in plenty of things beforehand. He was actually in ER for, for a very short amount of time, but, um, I guess one thing I will say in listening to these episodes, if, you, if you're watching along with us, you've never seen Third Watch, we, we'll strive our very best not to spoil future things for you. But really just, if I if I had any sort of suggestion with any character to kind of really keep an eye on their development across these seasons, watch Doc. Because Doc's story arc across his run on this show is one of the most unique, I think, in television. Just kind of how he starts and how he finishes. Um, it's, it's very unique and Michael Beach does a fantastic job with Doc. He is just a character that just gets so much thrown at him. You will learn that he's already had so much thrown at him in his life already leading into this. And kind of, as you said, he's this veteran. He's seen it all. I mean, he's similar to a Sully, you know, they've been doing this for a very long time. Um, and it's, he's just such a unique character. I feel in, in television. And I think with Doc, when you compare it to Sully, I think they, Sully, he has a little bit less patience than Doc. Doc is still going to take Carlos under his wing versus Sully when it comes to Davis. And there's a dynamic. There's something there as well. We'll get into later as why he's so hesitant to take a new new kid under his wing. You know, but the thing about this episode is that right in the beginning, there, it just leads up to this powerful ending. Which goes into the second se- the second episode. Yeah, and it's the, the, the great thing I think with Doc and and, um, and Sully is you know again they've been around for a long time they've seen it all you know this is their life and it literally is their life because you know they're, they're these kind of middle aged men who really don't have much in their life except for their jobs and again we learn about that across the way um, sort of through these various storylines and it's it's so well balanced with their rookie partners and. The development of the relationship of, of Davis and Sully, and we'll get to Davis in just a sec because we're about to meet him, um, and obviously Carlos and Doc, like, they've both got very unique relationships between them and both have relationships that just have great, you know, outcomes and endings, I feel, across the series run. And, you know, as much as I love Yokus and Bosco as my favourite duo in this show, you know, you, you also can't go past the Carlos-Doc relationship and the, and the Sully-Davis just kind of going across it about how long-lasting it is and just the different angles that we get to these storylines and we learn about it. And again, as we will keep saying, just the, the, the character-driven plot that Third Watch really brings to the screen and so underrated. Um, Sully, we, we get this scene, of course, of uh, we, meet, we meet Davis. Sully comes back to the cop station, uh, the 55th Precinct, uh, we obviously see him still with Puppet, you know, and this is kind of that real sort of nice guyness of, of Sully, and he's seen it all, you know, as we will kind of see this balance out there with Davis when we meet him, you know, Davis is willing to always arrest people and write up summons and cross complaints and all this sort of stuff, where Sully's like, look, I've seen it all, that's just going to waste time. So here he is with Puppet, rather than, I guess, arresting him, you know, we see, where's the paperwork? It's like, you know, hold him for a couple hours, let him go. He's basically just like, look, 
He's a, he's a, he's a messed up kid. He's, you know, gotten into trouble. What's the harm in arresting him? Or well, there's no good of arresting him. So he's just going to come and wash some cars on the weekend. So, you know, it's Sully. That's how he works. But then we, we see this. We meet Davis. Uh, we get our first James Reborn, um, appearance. Sadly, he's, uh, passed away recently. Very well established actor. I knew him coming into Third Watch from Independence Day, uh, where I think he was a Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State or he was one of the main roles in the first Independence Day film. And then he went on to, I mean, he's countless things. Very well known actor. Um, and sadly no longer with us, but, um, basically he's there to introduce us to Davis, who is going to be Sully's partner. But as we learn, Davis is not just a regular cop that's just been partnered up with Sully. Davis is the son of uh, Sully's former partner, um, who we obviously will learn a little bit more about throughout um, the the coming seasons. And obviously a very close relationship. Sully was very close to Davis's father. And as we hear from Davis, you know, oh, do you know Officer Sullivan? Most my ho- most my life, yes, sir. Um, so, I mean, this, uh, it's... I like the way they're introduced. I like the way that we kind of, you know, unlike Carlos, where we don't kind of get to see him showing up to work the first day. We literally meet him on the job. I like how we meet Davis and we see this uh, sort of interaction, which is, of course, completed with Sully's soon-to-be catchphrase, crap. Um, (laughs) We will hear him say plenty of times across this show. (laughs) You will. And (laughs) even towards the end of the season... I believe that's one of the word, last words they filmed. It is. Like, I think that is the last crap. word you will ever hear in Third Watch. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the final episode ends with Sully saying crap. So, <laughs> this is where it becomes such I thought, a thing. I wanted to say one of the last words, though. I didn't want to say, like, the last <laughs> Well, I just bought it. Oh, whatever. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're good. Hey, hey. I was just, I was like, one of the last words. Because I wanted to, like, put the emphasis on, like, how <laughs> important it was. Like, that was his thing, you know? And. I, like you said, like with Doc, his character arc, I think the same thing for uh, Davis, to be honest. I thought that was an interesting character arc because here's, here's this kid coming out of the academy and he's telling Sally, like, try to tell me how to do my job. I know I'm not some kid. And he comes with this whole gun hole attitude. And over time, you see him develop into this veteran police officer. And you're going to see his own baggage. You're going to see more developments along the way as well. But his character arc is also one you want to see, watch, along with Carlos Nieto, yeah. which is uh, Doc's uh, par- paramedic, the new kid. Yeah. And he also has a developing character arc, and I think a lot of them do, actually, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, but there's a few that, there's a few of them like Doc and Carlos and Davis that have a, some very powerful ones over time. Fakus is, I mean, fake Yokus as well. <laughs> Yokus as well, but, it's, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, with, I mean, it's well set up, the fact that we're meeting, you know, people on their first day, people kind of, you know, in the, you know they've been around for, say, 10 or so years, and then we've got these seasoned veterans, and it's, it's well balanced out, kind of, to get this whole circle of these people and their jobs. Um, you know, and like as you were saying, like with Davis, like, I think anybody listening would know that, like, if you've studied for a job for, you know, so many years, you can learn everything, and you know, you get book smart, you think you know everything about it. But that first day you're thrown into it, you know, there are so many elements where it's just straight away, it's like, this has got nothing to do with what I learned in, you know, school. Um, and it's just, and that's what we're learning. I mean, we see that straight away with Davis having the, the manual. The, the Sully's just like, oh, yeah, okay, throws it in the bin. Um, it's like, you know... I- you don't need that. <laughs> and, I, and that's true. And, like, we were at the scene with meeting Davis, right? Yeah. And then, so he's walking out the precinct. 
and he asks about his deos, you know, the donuts and everything. And one of the when he walks out, you're gonna see a soft side to Sully, which you're not always gonna see. Most of the time, you're gonna get this whole he's fat, he's just like I don't care, less paperwork for me, you know, solving problems. That's also another one of his sayings, or just solving problems. Mm-hmm. But in this scene. I like. I don't know why I like it so much, but he gives these donuts to uh, Mantooth, which is the firefighter's and paramedic's dog. And it was like one of the glimpses of seeing a soft side to him. But then he says, his words are like, they're one of the stupidest dogs <laughs> on this planet. And, and it goes right back to him being solid. Yeah, he's very <laughs> like, well counterbalanced. You're right. Like, he's kind of like, he's this old sort of guy. He's been around for ages and he just gets to the point where he just doesn't care anymore. But then also, yeah. he's, he, he's very sweet. He's very, you know, humble. And, I mean, we also learned that like, he can be a bit of a badass across this scene. Like, he's, he's again, we're going to talk about so many of these characters are so well balanced with so many different elements. He's got so many layers, basically, to their characters. Um, and, yeah, you're right, we see that. We should mention kind of just with the setting of this, as we said, it's the 55th Precinct, fictional 55th Precinct in New York City. Um, and so the, the police house, the police side of things, uh, basically is on the other side of the street of the firehouse, which is where the paramedics and the firefighters are also stationed. And as I said, I've been to that street. I've stood there. The, the police side of things is basically apartments now. You can't even tell that that was used in a TV show as a police house. But that, yeah, the firehouse is still there. It is. It is still looks exactly like it does on the show. Um, but... You know, so they, they're kind of... I mean, we see that, don't we, with Carlos soon when Carlos is like, oh, with the police, you know, station across the road, do they do the cops look after our staff? And they're like, you know, oh, you know, be safe at having a Dunkin' Donuts opposite us, basically, is what they say. So, um, I mean, that's kind of where these, I guess, also the intertwining of characters work out because not only are they opposite each other, so they're always interacting with each other, like the police and the firefighters and the paramedics, but also they're all genuinely going to the same jobs. I mean, we kind of see this at this point, you know, we get this Kim, uh, Bobby scene, you know, Kim talking about Dana. Did you call her? You slept with her and you didn't call her, you know, and we get this. I mean, we just, I think this is a good establishing scene between these two. We see that they're very close friends. You know, they're very, because this is the bit, bit, I think, isn't it, where Bobby's like, oh, do you want to, you know, come come to the, the, you know, Anthony's getting married this weekend, my cousin. He's like, oh, big Anthony? No, bigger Anthony. Like, they, they know each other well. They're very good friends. Um, and then kind of that moves into the bit going on the fact that they're, they're sharing jobs with each other. We've got Sully and Davis uh, obviously chilling in the car. They see the ambulance go past, and then Sully's like, oh, we're going to have to catch whatever they're getting because, you know, we border with them. And this is also where we're also learning that Bosco, hot-headed cop, he's dodging calls because he wants to get the big calls rather than, you know, the the smaller calls, which, as we'll see, you know, he assumes Sully wants. I, I love the dynamics, the little arguments that we get across the, the episodes of, of um, Bosco and, and Sully. You know, they, they're just completely opposite ends of the spectrum in how they police New York, you know. Um, and then you've got sort of Davis and Yoke as kind of their counter balances there. Um I'm just going to jump around a lot with some of these scenes and we can kind of group these all together. So, obviously, we've had that, Sally tailing the ambulance um, and Davis struggling with the radio, <laughs> basically trying to to talk with it there. Um, I can do... I like how he says that. And then he doesn't even... <laughs> he's like, I can do more of an answer to radio, radio. And Sally's like, well, then answer like, it. banging us. You know, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, welcome back to the world, 555 Charlie. And it's like, you know, give me a break. I've got a brand new... Take a newbie on board. Um, and what does he say? Ten for over and out. I love Sully's reactions to like Davis, obviously using like simple, you know, training modules like over and out. And what does he say? Like, oh, 
this wasn't my idea. My mum called the Burrow Commander. And it's like, the Burrow Commander? If anything bad goes down, you're staying in the car. Staying in the car, <laughs> yes. Oh, and of course, having a new kid, Davis doesn't always listen. <laughs> well, exactly. We'll get to that at the end. I'm, I'm always yeah. intrigued to like... So, I'm assuming that Sully, I guess, has ridden alone for some time as well. I mean... I, I can't remember how long it's, I, I don't know if it's ever established how long it's been since um you know he's I don't not with with Davis's dad anymore but um I think over the years we find out that Sully worked here and there with some others but for the most part I'm assuming Sully's come into this and he's he's worked alone for quite some time yes he has I mean he's used to having it his way driving the car doing his own thing and so it it's in the shows and I don't think they established that how long he's been working by himself. You know, but I mean, and we'll get to a scene where there's some, there's some comments made about that by Boscarelli yeah. as well. And I'm not sure if that's later on in the scene, but I know, like you said, jumping around, there is one scene that I do like, and it has to do with a waffle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we'll we'll <laughs> get to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, I mean, jumping around yeah. with it at the moment, kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to the firehouse here because we're... We're uh, we're missing a bit there, but so basically, this this job goes to uh, Sully and Davis go to a uh, a subway train, which is uh, what we were mentioning before about our uh, dear friend from uh, Dexter and everything else in before is a very minor role. Role, but I mean, it's just it's kind of just like a throwaway scene here. We're just again seeing the the jobs they've got to do. Kim and Bobby are there on the train. Uh, Sully and Davis. I, I I kind of intrigued why Sully and Davis are even called to a woman giving birth on a train. I guess they've got to sort of control the crowd basically. Um, and the one bit, like, look, I don't want to bag out Third Watch because I love this show. It's my favourite show of all time. But there are some scenes that will make me cringe. The, the bit where they're basically, this woman's giving birth. She's like, it's coming, it's coming. And then they zoom in on her mouth. Uh, that bit always just is like, why do we need a shot of them zooming in on her mouth? That's a bit cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. There are some. Yeah, there are some. There are there's, some. There's, there's one. There's one in this episode which I just cringe so badly because it just it makes no sense that two characters would even say that to each other. But we'll get to that. Um, we did also get a scene just sort of gl- glossing over a bit here. Uh, back at the firehouse, uh, I think I was sort of touching it before when like Carlos is you know talking about the cops, so they look after our stuff. We meet Jimmy. We we get a very quick glimpse of Jimmy. You know what's for dinner? Oh, you know Jerry's cooking. And then we get this whole scene of Jimmy. You know here he is, sexy firefighter, working out, pumping iron. Carlos just you know impressed to see what he's doing. And we get this lovely little sort of recurring element we get in this episode of Jerry sort of, you know, playing pranks on the new kid. And he's just basically, like, impressive, isn't he? You look like you work out, and then grabs his butt and just, like, walks out. Um, I do... I mean, look, Jerry... We'll get to Jerry, but, like, Jerry's fun. Jerry's very fun for what we get to see of him. He is, he is. I... You could definitely tell Doc and Jerry have... I think... I believe Jerry's been on the job as long as Doc has. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think those are, like, the two... Because they both have seniority. It's, uh, I mean, to see the, the the friendship between those two is definitely also crucial mm-hmm. for this episode, yeah. which we'll get to, like you said, later on. But what we get to see of Jerry, I think he was he would have been a great character as always. And I would love to see, see more, like you said, as much as we can see of him. But he is funny. He plays a lot of jokes. And Carlos, after he grabs his butt, he's like, 
<laughs> he feels he doesn't feel some type of way, but it's just funny because, like like you said later on, it's kind of hard to talk about Jerry because you can't really talk much until you get to certain scenes. Yeah, one thing I just I don't want to give away. But one thing I'll say about Carlos, I mean Carlos, I think probably develops into behind Bosco, my second favorite character. Um, and he again, he's just so unique the way they develop his character because you, you, you know straight away we're kind of seeing him as you know he's like you know here he's this poor kid he's thrust into it and we'll get a scene of course where we find out you know he's basically like I, I felt nothing like you know when he's there working with the dead bodies and all this sort of stuff and this is what Carlos becomes he kind of becomes this like if you were to dislike a character in third watch maybe particularly at least in the first three seasons I feel Carlos is the one you're meant to hate um, because he really, there's so much about his character that just, he becomes a bit of a prick. And, but I mean, it's done in a way that like, I can't dislike. I mean, I generally always, always like that real prick asshole character in TV shows. I just, I just, I know I enjoy them. Not saying I'm one, perhaps I am. I don't know, maybe. But um, it's like how Carlos becomes, what, probably one of my, my, my two favorite episodes across this entire series. I mean, they both are in season two. But they, they do a completely centric episode on Carlos. We'll get to season two, obviously, in the future. But season two, they kind of really incorporate that each episode is almost based purely around one character. They become so centric around one character in their life. And when we eventually get to that sole Carlos one, oh, that is arguably top two best episodes of this entire show. So, again, if you're joining us in watching Third Watch for the very first time, and we can give you subtle hints about who to really keep an eye out for. I mentioned that with Doc. Carlos, again, is somebody whose character just... What happens with him along the way, you're not going to get a vibe from, perhaps, at least in this first episode. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Are you are you a Carlos fan? Did, did you enjoy Carlos across the season? Well, I know Carlos for me. I relate to Carlos a lot. You know, and that has to do with his background, which I won't get into too as much. But Carlos, I wasn't a fan at, at the beginning, but over time, like you said, like when they started showing more hints and uh, like the, the reasons for his, the way he is, then I started to like become a big fan of his. And towards the end, I loved him. I loved him to the fullest at the end. However, like with Carlos and Bosco, they both have similar similarities because mm-hmm. they both can be pricks. Bosco can be too. As much as we talk about him, Bosco is a jerk. And his partner even says at one point, you know you're a jerk, right? And he's like, yeah, but you still love me, don't you? <laughs> and <laughs> and I believe it's because he had said, like, you're getting slow. You lost a few pounds. Yeah, <laughs> did, you, yeah. did you gain a few pounds? Just saying that her, that <laughs> he was just calling Yoke is fat. And I, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but Carlos and Bosco both have that, both have that kind of, like, prick mentality in a way. They don't know it. They don't realize it. And they both... Get, I mean, it makes them, it's what makes them dumb, you know? It's what makes them, us love them. Yeah. I would say, like, yeah, they're yeah. great comparisons. And, like, I mean, the, the one thing, we very we don't get a whole lot of Bosco, um, Bosco Carlos scenes across the six seasons. But the, the few we do get are always amazing. But, yeah, they're, they're very similar. But it's interesting kind of as you, you touch on Carlos's background, and we, we obviously don't want to give too much away, but, like, they've got very different backgrounds and, and you, you feel as though Carlos's development really comes from him having this job. Uh, whereas Bosco is just Bosco. Like Bosco is who he is. And I mean, both of them really, particularly Bosco, Bosco doesn't have a whole lot of relationships along the way. Like his relationships again is his job. Whereas Carlos's 
background really delves into his relationships and how he treats people and then in turn how he is treated by people. But, I mean, Carlos really comes full circle the way it ends with, whereas Bosco, I mean, he really just is there and thereabouts what he is. I mean, that's just, it's kind of, it's a weird parallel between the two. But I agree with you. They are very similar in their attitudes. Um, and, I mean, I would maybe argue Bosco is maybe deep down a little more caring than Carlos, <laughs> particularly as we will learn. I, I agree. Yeah. You have to agree with that. Yeah, I mean... Bosco has his thoughts in other areas, especially when it comes to women, like feet. Yeah. Just like Jimmy. Yeah. And but he's, he's like the poor man, the Jimmy. I feel like Jimmy's successful because you know yeah. Jimmy is is suave and real lazy. And Bosco, you know, look, Bosco's attractive. Bosco's you know go get him. But Bosco also is you know Bosco. I relate to Bosco on the fact that I think his luck with women is probably similar to mine. It's like you kind of just you strike out more than you you get lucky. Whereas Jimmy, he gets lucky more than he strikes out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh... And here's the thing with Bosco, he has Yokis yes. as well. And where Carlos, he has Doc, and Doc is not much. He's not really talkative. Doc is he's wise, he's mature. People go to him, but you also see that he doesn't talk as much as others. You know, he he's more of a, like a thought person where he thinks more than talks. And then he will. It's like you don't expect it. He'll like open up to a character. He'll open up. And so with Carlos, he's kind of finding his own way in the beginning as well, because he had he has he has his veteran on the job, but that's about it. Doc is just somebody shows him how to job it. So Carlos, as self development, has his, he has to learn his own way for a while until you know Completely. until the later seasons you see a little bit more yeah. how he, like you said, the job makes him who he is eventually. Completely agree. And, Completely agree. Yeah. And like we'll learn like with Carlos. It's going to be to see. Like again, I mean, we'll learn with Carlos that obviously, yeah. like being a paramedic, ne- not necessarily isn't what he wants to do. It's kind of like a stepping stone for a future career. That's what he's doing it for. But I mean, obviously, it changes him to the point where exactly. like it, it becomes more than that. Um, I mean, one thing I just want to quickly add. I mean, again, look, we're going all over the place with this episode, but it's going to be this way for the first episode at least. Um, one thing that I think is done really well, particularly with say Bosco and Yokus, is here we have kind of like you know a man and a woman that across all of the seasons they are together. Not once is there ever any implication that this could be romantic. Now, I, and I'm not just saying that clearly because Yokus is married. Um, but I mean, you know, look, there's plenty of shows where even married characters can, you know, have affairs and all this sort of stuff. But like, that's, I think what is done so well about Bosco and Yokus is that generally a TV show will have a man and a woman working together that no matter what happens, there has to be a flirtatious element to there or there has to be some sort of sexual chemistry. Never, not once has there ever been in Third Watch any implication that Bosco and Yokus are more than just really close friends and really good partners. And I think that is done so well. And I'm not to say that, look, a Bosco and Yokus shipping competition would be okay. I've never thought of Bosco and Yokus hooking up as a couple. But, like, I'm glad that they don't because it just works so well for their characters. No, Yokus is... I've always seen her as a mother figure in a way to Bosco just because of his own background. I mean, Yokus really helped... She's the one, Yokus is a character, it's like, okay, you had this child, right, he's a grown man, and he he needs somebody to guide him still, mm-hmm. and Yokus is that figure, like, she, they never go into this whole mom and son, uh, they never go into that, they never go into the dynamic of that, but you can still tell, because, like, when those things that Bosco needs to do, Yokus is on him like that, she's on him, and... Like you said, like I love how like they kept the romance out of it. You never get that hint. You never even think about it going in that direction. Exactly. They did a good job of that, mm-hmm. you know. 
And there's one scene that we're going to see that in as well coming up later. I don't want to spoil it, but there's definitely a scene that I've also noticed that. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree. And, we, and look, we're, we're going to jump around a lot here because, look, we're nearly at the hour mark and we've barely even scratched the surface. So we're going we're gonna to wrap a few things here and there up. But, um, so, I mean, essentially... In the, uh, I, lo- I love the scene where you sort of get where Bosco is, they're just sitting in the car and they're basically, he's wanting them to steal a car. He's like, come on, do it, do it, do it. And then Yogi's is just like, uh, we should really go. We get the guy who basically scares off the, pol- uh, the, the guys about to commit the crime by asking for help. And then Bosco, you know, he's so angry. What am I, an information kiosk? And then I love Yogi's line, oh, God forbid we actually stop a crime. <laughs> yeah and then we obviously we hear the radio call there's a fight outside a strip club and bosco you know dodging the calls like a couple of watered all down drunks having a fight outside a strip club sally will want it um so like we get we see this scene obviously of these two drunk guys and again back to sally he, he's been around the job for a long time he knows what to expect um you know and davis is like you know look you know please don't tell me what to do i'm number one in my arrest procedures in class and so i was like okay sure go for it this guy vomits all over him you know because sully knows what's happening again just sort of comparing it there um and we also get uh sort of crossing there between the paramedics and the, and the firefighters and again we, we should really mention it does it so well third watch like you might think to yourself well how can you compare these industries and jobs and make this a tv show they balance between the two you know sets of uh you know professions three sets of professions really really well and i mean it's something that sadly does fade away you know particularly i would say in the in the later parts of the fifth and sixth season when uh, sadly it kind of almost does turn into purely a cop show but i mean we will obviously get to that as we go along but i mean particularly in these early three four seasons it balances it out so well um but you know we get this great sort of again going to to playing the pranks with each other when it comes down to obviously um Carlos with the uh the Kim's got the uh what is it like peanut butter or something on a shoe uh and you know playing the prank there of eating it it's just great um uh, and we get this this isn't the one I was talking about before with the cringeworthy moment but the incredibly cringeworthy bit when Kim's coming down the stairs after complaining about that they haven't rested all day and then she's got this you know line which is clearly for the benefit of uh, let's put this in a trailer to advertise this show of her saying, God damn, I love this job. Um, always makes me cringe <laughs> for some point. I don't know why, but uh, that's not the one that I was talking about before. Uh, crossing around here, we get a great little scene when it comes to uh, day, uh, sorry, Doc, Jerry and Carlos having to go up to the 46th floor of a building with no elevators because there's a fire up the top there. And uh, they've got to try and treat these firefighters with uh, smoke inhalation. They go to use the elevators. Nope, they've not been there because there's a fire obviously at the top. So then they've got to walk all the way to the top of the 46th floor, only to find out that the elevators were recalled. And basically, they've got a, uh, they've gone all the way to the top for no reason at all. Uh, just a, a nice little thing there. We're also in this, again, a lot going on in this episode, as you're finding out. Uh, Bobby and Kim uh, come across a young girl who's uh, sadly overdosed on drugs. Sunny, like sunshine, bookmark her. We will meet her a lot in this season. She becomes a recurring character. Yeah. Um and then also, uh, we find uh, another call. Bosco, uh, there's a call over the radio about somebody with a gun in a window. Bosco and Yokus rush to it because Bosco wants it. Of course, she's got a gun. You know, we've got to we've got to catch this one out. Only for a woman to basically have lied about the fact that there's a gun because she wanted them to get there quickly because that's what she was told in some neighborhood watch group. 
and there's a clown looking through her window. <laughs> I do love I do love the line when Yoko says, "How old was he?" and Boss goes like, "Yeah, in clown years." Um, and Bosco has no shame. He has no exactly. Shame. He does not he's have any not, shame. He speaks his shame. mind. He's just he's an angry little man. I think that's what we hear him call that a lot throughout this series. People say you're an angry little man because it's a running joke that Bosco is short. That's another joke that we will get across the time as well. But this leads us into searching for the clown and this guy dressed as a clown who essentially. Bosco and Yokus again, dodging... It was mainly Bosco. We shouldn't put Yokus in there, but Yokus is alongside with Bosco. Dodging calls. Sully's getting frustrated because they then come across the clown guy, uh, <laughs> which is basically this guy who essentially has got hair and clothes, kind of looks like a clown. Uh, Sully gets him, arrests him, then literally drags him over to Bosco, parades him around him, does him a circle, shoves him in the car, steals Bosco's handcuffs, and then Yokus is lying. You think he's pissed? I think he's pissed. (laughs) And then this leads up into the scene which you're mentioning about the waffle scene, which is Bosco and Yokus driving around with this very angry clown guy in the background. I'm going to sue you. This is police brutality. This is rubbish. This is terrible. Bosco is basically like, should we waffle him? Should we waffle him? And Yokus is just like, no, no, don't be stupid. And then you tell him, sir. Yokus turns around. Oh my God, you're a woman. <laughs> it's just with those broad shoulders and that mustache, I got kind of got kind of confused. And then we get, <laughs> she's like, "Oh yeah." Like I, I just point out, like Molly Price, who plays Yokus, great actress. She's again, sadly, not been in a whole lot of things since. I think she was in. Uh, they did the um, was a Bionic Woman. They tried to reboot. She was in that. Uh, I saw her in an episode of Nip Tuck once, um, and she's popped up here and there. But I, her accent at this point, like her New York accent, I can't do a New York accent, Brandy. But when she says, oh, hell yeah, look out for that dog. Like that is so New York right there. Yeah. (laughs) I got to say, that's my favorite scene besides another scene. But that's my favorite scene out of the whole episode. I just can't wait to get to that scene. And I'll replay it a couple of times over and over because she, he's like, you tell him, sir. And she's just like so appalled. Like, are you serious? And then Bosco, he's just, Bosco's Bosco. So like once she's insulted, he, she's, he's just like, waffle? And she's like, oh, yeah. yeah. This is what's <laughs> great about Yoko. Yoko kind of has that, she's got that switch that somebody can just really ruffle her feathers and that she can, like, again, similar to Sully, she can be a real badass when she needs to be. And this is what's great. I and mean, the one thing I will say about Yoko, which is great, like, we've got this great side story about her being a mother trying to maintain a marriage. And, you know, obviously this whole element about how police aren't really paid that much. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for her to look after her two kids, a husband in this, you know, small little Manhattan apartment and basically, you know, have to live like that. But I, I really think that what they do well with Yokus is that, and I don't know how this comes across, so bear with me the way I first say this, you almost forget that she's a woman. Like, it's not really played into it that she's, like, that storyline's not there, if you know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not made such an emphasis that she's a female, and that's what's done so well no. about it. I think then I believe that's true. I definitely agree with you 100%. Because you don't. There's no, like, well, she's a male, female. I mean, she's a female trying to make it. Or this is a male or this is a female. There's nothing like that. It's just two police officers who are partners who have each other's back. And that's what I love about the show. You know, you don't, they don't put too much emphasis on stuff like that. Exactly. 
I mean, later on in the seasons, you get more into, like, the politics or, like, the racism or anything that could be, you know, uh, that's more serious. They get into that later seasons. But in the beginning, they're just really focused on a great show. And it's and it's always it's a great show throughout, but that's what it is. It's just the character plots. It's about, you know, like you said, the husband introducing her husband, which is uh, Chris. How you say Chris it? Val. Chris. Yeah, he plays her husband, which you'll get to meet. You know, I think it's is it this episode oh, we, yeah, or like we, the we, next we'll episode? We'll get to that now. I mean, we, again, we sort of we, we don't have to go every little scene here, but like it's it's yeah, and it, I, well, there are elements I think of Yokus along the way that uh, they bring in, and you kind of you can't ignore the fact that she's a woman in that situation. But like as you were saying, it's not sort of like she's a woman who has to make it. She, she's made it. She's there's nothing there's nothing about her character that is like she's struggling in this position because she's a female. She is every no, bit no. of a match if not even better in many many elements to her male counterparts and that's what's done so well as you said and i mean if anything she is and she's yeah exactly um but yeah waffle if you have no idea what we're talking about maybe you haven't watched this episode yet but basically you know because uh the perp in the back the clown guy has got no safety belt on so basically bosco breaks suddenly you know look out for that dog uh which allows um, <laughs> this clown guy goes head first into the cage. Bit of police brutality there, but uh, look, look, he deserved it. Uh, so essentially from this bit where we get this great sort of uh, running scene uh, where there's a building fire and, um, you know, the, this is kind of where we will get a first taste of Jimmy and the firefighters uh, having to stop this fire. Meanwhile, there's a lady who's stuck in a room, you know, she's, dangling a baby, crying for help. She needs somebody to come save a baby. We get Bosco being Bosco, running into the building without thinking, you know, trying to save people. It's, it's what Bosco um, does. And, we, you know, we get a car that's blocking the fire hydrant. Jimmy doesn't give a shit. He smashes a window, all this sort of stuff. Um, now we get, look, this is, again, I've already mentioned, this, is, this isn't even the cringeworthy scene. The woman drops the baby. Doc catches it. Oh. Now, look, this is a real cringeworthy scene. Like, it's kind of gelled over the fact, because Doc catches it, thankfully, and there's this smile on the face, like, this woman's dropping her baby out of a window. Like, I know she's panicking and everything, but, like, what if Doc dropped that baby? That baby's dead. Like, that is a big thing. Like, <laughs> would you not wait a few more minutes? The firefighters are there. Like, you can hear them. Um, it's, That's what we're... <laughs> I think that's what makes it kind of realistic, though, because pe- you don't people panic in situations like that. And when you feel the heat of the fire and you see it, feel it getting closer, I love that. I love that scene because it just showed me, like, because Doc was like, "Wait, just wait." And Doc is Michael Beach. He is such a good, great actor. Oh, yeah. He is. Oh, I don't, I don't understand. Like when I, I see his emotion, and it's like he just. He's so good, and he's just like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, they're right there." And you see the fire truck just pull. You see the fire truck, and it's but. It's, it's so realistic because people do panic in that situation, you know, and as a mom myself, I mean, I can only imagine, like, if the fire was getting that close, what would I do, yeah. you know, with my child? Would I make sure he gets out the window before I do? I mean, I wouldn't throw him down. He's nine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think- he, might be, he might be willing to climb <laughs> down a bit more than the baby would be able to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> the whole point was that people panic, though. Well, yeah, and, true. Good point. But it is good for him, though, because the, the baby... It, her, I'm thinking, like, the baby's slippery, though, because, like, when it, she drops the baby, the, the blanket comes off, right? And I thought the same thing. I was like, what if he did drop? Because, like, realistically, 
<laughs> would the fire would the permanent catch the baby like that? Well, you know? uh, and what happens if he does drop it? Is he then charged with like manslaughter because he's dropped it, or is it the woman's fault? Like, I mean, it's kind of it's a fine line there. <laughs> like, you don't want to think about no it. No one's. It would be no one's. Yeah. <laughs> it would be no one's fault. It would be just uh, one of those tra- traumatic, traumatizing, just heartbreaking. It would just definitely want to be one of those. And I guess, I know, guess, I mean, he caught. Yeah, well, positive news. He catches a baby, and this I will say leads into our very first taste of the third watch theme, "Keep Hope Alive" by the Crystal Method. To me, one of the the greatest TV themes of all time. Uh, I love this theme. I've bought it many times on CDs. If I see it on a CD, I will buy it just purely because I love it. Um, it's just it's such a great. Great theme, and you know the and like again, we didn't get the opening credits in the first episode. We get that in the second one, but this is when you hear it for the first time, and it works so well in this scene. Like we obviously don't really get it um, in episodes in the future, used as a backing theme while they're doing their work. Um, and I mean, this is one thing actually that I will ever say. If anybody listens to this podcast that perhaps worked on the music on Third Watch, and again, that probably will never happen, but if it did, and there is somehow access to the, the, like the, the theme and the score of Third Watch, because it's not something that has ever been available, I would pay good money for that because I love the theme of the, the, the score that they use across the series. And like the, the closing credits theme, I love that. That is like amazing. Um, but again, we'll talk about the music across the series run. Um, in all of this, did you mention? I don't know if you mentioned, but that's also the music is one reason why the show hasn't been released on exactly. The- yes, that that, that is basically that is basically I, I think the the one reason when it comes down to um seasons three to six never been officially released. I mean, part of it is sadly because of demand and there's not a whole lot of demand for people out there to have these released. But yeah, the, the, the problem that they have had is because they use so many songs. Um, you know, in Third Watch, uh, it's getting the rights. They, they, they buy the rights to a song to have an airing on TV. They don't then get the rights of them to be owned on a digital versatile disc, essentially, or a download now via iTunes or something like that. So, essentially, that's what has stopped this from ever being officially released completely. And, look, I, I, I don't know in terms of whether or not this is even added to show uh, to services like Netflix or, you know, these other streaming services before. I, I to be honest with you, have no idea if it ever has been. But, um, you know, that's, that's the sad aspect of it, that as great as the music is, it sadly is preventing it from having a full release. Um, so we're here to help you talk about it, and hopefully you're going to find these other avenues to, to watch the later seasons. The scene that I'm talking about, the cringeworthy scene, we're getting all of this kind of... Um, you know, elements afterwards, we get Bosco being looked at because, you know, we get Jimmy sort of saying, you're a moron, you ran into the building. That's one thing I will say I love. I love the Jimmy-Bosco rivalry, which, uh, again, kind of gets forgotten about after a few seasons. But early on, season one, season two, Jimmy and Bosco pretty much hate each other. And I love the fact that they hate each other because it just plays so well into some of these storylines. The scene that I hate, I hate it so much because why would these characters say this to each other? Is we get Bosco walks away, Kim's in the ambulance, Bobby's in the background... And uh, the way Jimmy basically turns to Kim and says, why did we break up? And then Kim's like, you slept with my sister. (laughs) Now, look, they've known each other for how long? I understand why they've done this. They've done this because, you know, we've loosely heard about that Kim and Jimmy were married through her conversation with Bobby earlier on. And we obviously need to establish the fact about why they broke up. 
because clearly he cheated on her. But it's just the way it's delivered makes me cringe. Because, like, if you are in a relationship for however how long, and, you like, I mean, does Jimmy just hit his head at that moment to have a stupid moment? Or is that just him being suave, flirtatious Jimmy trying to be, like, you know? It just makes me cringe. Makes me cringe so much, Brandy. <laughs> no, you make a point because I never really understood... How that happened? Because how long were they married for? I forgot. I, think five I don't know years. if they I think we learned that they were married for five, five years. years. And they had a kid. Yeah. And I think the divorce is fairly recent. I would argue that coming into this, the divorce has probably only been within the last 12 months because it's, it's, I think we learn it's quite fresh, particularly when we get these later scenes with Kim and her sister, who we will meet eventually. We will eventually. But it's just, like you said, I always thought that was kind of iffy in a way. It was just like, what? how? Because I never understood it. I was like, okay, they, they're married. They've been married for a while. They have a kid, a beautiful kid. Which he's also. In this, in this season, not this, yeah, this season and the next season, he's a big emphasis on the relationship between the two. But I mean, and then like you said, next you know he sleeps with her sister. Like, what happened there? All of a sudden, it's, for that to it's happen, it's just cringeworthy. It's just the way it's delivered, and it's just there's a better way of doing it. I feel like that's one thing that I just I can never overlook, no matter how much I love this show. Uh, so through this again, we're, we're kind of learning character traits. We're learning this, that, and everything else. We're, we're seeing them in that. We get we've mentioned already. Uh, you know, Yokus uh, with her family, Bosco, the whole scene about like, oh, you love me anyway. Right? I love this scene when kind of. I guess we haven't really touched on the fact that Third Watch, the name comes from uh, the shift that they work. So that they work between 3.30 and 11.30 p.m. That's kind of their shift. It's referred to as the Third Watch. Now, uh, just a bit of a background with this. It's actually not a thing in New York. Um, they never did this leading into this show. It was a Chicago thing, going back to what we're saying about Bonero. But I do believe I have heard that um, after this show came about, um, they actually, in New York, amongst the paramedics and the police, did re- start referring to that shift as the third watch. So that's generally what I've heard with some of the behind-the-scenes things. But So obviously, um, you know, they work late hours, 3.30 to 11.30, so they've got a bit of downtime. Yokus goes back to her house, sees Fred. We get this nice little moment uh, with Fred after we've met him, as you said, Chris Bauer, who he's one of these ones who's gone on to a lot of other things. Uh, True Blood fans would know he played, uh, I think it was Andy, his character's name, Detective Andy. Um, and he's also been in plenty of other things. But, um, you know, we get this great little scene of uh, her having to take a belt off to have a bit of a rest and Fred helping her. And then um, we get Bosco just helping himself to the kitchen because, again, they know each other so well. They're all family. She goes off to see the kids and the way he's like, what's for dinner? Meatloaf. Oh, what happened to you? There was a fire. Like, they just, you know, it's just it's just passed off. They just know each other well. And then we get this lovely little scene with um, Yokus and the kids. We meet Emily and Charlie. And we kind of get a, a, a real vibe of... Um, I guess their situation, because, you know, I think Emily's probably about 11 or 12, maybe in the, I mean, they skip her age. Let's, let's just sort of jump ahead here and say that Emily becomes, you know, I think season four, I want to say when they basically age her by about two or three years to make her a full on teenager. Um, and then Charlie, I think he gets forgotten about for about two seasons before they realise, oh, hang on a minute, Yoga's had another kid. <laughs> so, I, cause I forgot about him a little bit. Yeah, yeah Charlie's <laughs> the forgotten child of Third Watch. I think even Joey, Kim and um, Jimmy's kid, is remembered more than dear old little Charlie. But so they're, they're, they're having to share a bedroom uh, because clearly they're living situation. They're in this small little apartment and, 
you know, you don't want a you know, brother and sister basically at that age sharing a room, but I guess they've kind of got no choice. Uh, but we get this lovely little scene. It's great. Like, you know, Yokus and, and Emily and, and then just kind of a Charlie and, uh, you know, have you shot anyone yet today? Not yet. And just kind of this little playful nature, which is really, really sweet. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything on that, Brandy, just, I guess, in kinds of this whole little dynamic we get between Yokus and the family. Because we will say Chris, uh, Chris ba- uh, Fred becomes a... He actually becomes part of the cast properly, I think. I want to say season he three, he's basically listed on the, the opening credits. So he essentially will become a major character across this run. And I think, actually, I remember seeing an interview with Molly Price when Third Watch was on. And she did mention in that interview, at one point, her and Fred were the only actual married couple on network TV because they would always have these couples who would break up and they'd get divorced and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, they were married and, look, spoiler alert, for most of the series. I mean, that's kind of a spoiler. It's kind of implying certain things. But, I mean, I, w- I want to say for five seasons, they were married at least. So, um, you know, they maintain this marriage and we learn a whole lot about just... The difficulties, I guess, uh, we'll get to that in the second episode, but obviously there's struggles involved with, you know, maintaining a, a healthy marriage when it comes to having such a demanding job during a demanding shift as well, because sort of why I wanted to mention that, the, you know, the 3.30 to 11.30 p.m. element, because, you know, that's not an easy shift to maintain. You know, you've got to think about 3.30 p.m. It's around about when school's ending. So, you know, she can never be there to pick her kids up from school. She's not there to make dinner. She's not there to kind of, you know, be there when they go to bed and say goodnight to them and all this sort of stuff. And no doubt in the morning she's asleep, obviously having to catch up and sleep when they're going off to school. So, and I, I guess kind of it's still working on that, isn't it? That sort of um, husband-wife dynamic where 1999, it's still, you know, it's still, I guess, expected for a lot of the part that the, the, the woman stays home while the man goes off to work. I mean, it's obviously, you know, different. I'm not saying that's what it should be. That's kind of how it's implied. So it's still working on that elements too of Fred, the husband, having to do more of that role that perhaps in TV, particularly at that time, it was expected the other way around. You know, to touch up on the, the scene, what I liked the most, and I took note of this, was that, like you said earlier, the romance between Faith and and Bosco is non-existent. Yeah. And so when Bosco comes to the house, there's no tension Absolutely about not. her having a male partner. Yeah. And I love that. You can just tell, like, he's like family. Like, like you, like Uncle, you said. They call him Uncle B, don't they? Uncle Bosco. That's what, like, Charlie and all that call him throughout the yeah, season. Uncle exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. Because most shows were showed tension, tension between partners like that. You know, like, the husband might get jealous because the partner is, a, you know, a man. or But when this... And this this series there's nothing like that fred and bosco actually have a funny relationship oh, as do. well there's a great episode they do yep <laughs> all us all i say is there's a truck involved yes, at one point one of the best <laughs> again season yeah. two season two can we just point out season two is probably the best season out of all these seasons i can't wait till we get to season two yeah. so yeah that's the only thing I, I love about that's what i took from that scene right there was like you know when bosco comes in he's family even to fred he's not a threat and it, it just i think that's what they set it up like Bosco's just Bosco. Yeah. And Fred kind of knows that that's Yolkus's, like, you know, partner who's, like, a grown child in a way. It's funny. It's, it's, and it's, it's you're right, like, there, I mean, there are storylines along the way that, that Fred obviously has issues with Bosco, but it's, it's never down to the fact that he's jealous of, like, a romantic, like, it borders down to the fact that Yokus will do anything for her partner. That's kind of what it comes down to. And you learn their relationship. Like, and it's the other way around too. Like, they rely on each other so much. And, you know, we have elements of storylines where they just... 
they get so angry at each other because they don't tell each other secrets and things like that along the ways. And, and I mean, one, one thing that kind of has always irked me a little bit with the way they end it. And again, I know we're jumping way ahead, but I, I always feel that sadly come the sixth season and without spoiling it too much, Bosco Yokus relationship kind of gets pushed to the background and we never get a satisfying ending with them. We kind of do just with how they turn out. And I guess we can debate that when we get to the sixth season, but it's, there's just something there that always gets out. And so I, I, another thing, make the most in terms of the Bosco Yokus relationship in these early seasons, because, you know, various things happen to them over the years that obviously, you know, make the relationship turn different. But, I mean, I really, every time I rewatch Third Watch, I always relish, you know, particularly these first three seasons of the Yokus Bosco dynamic because, you know, it's just love it so much. (laughs) But it was so deep. It's so deep. It was so deep for it not to end with something more than what we were given. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt cheated as well with that, you know, because even though things happen, there was a lot of things that happened in the beginning of season two, you know, with this, like. You can, you're gonna sh- you're gonna see how loyal these partners Absolutely. are. Absolutely, and it's not about like these sure. cops being yeah, and it's not about these cops being dirty. But you're gonna see like when one of them's in trouble, personal life or not, it goes beyond the job. And so, like I get what you're saying because when when it ended, it was just kind of I felt a little cheated because like it didn't like you know I still love the ending. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like there should have been more. You know, I remember seeing the last season. I remember seeing the last scene with Faith. You know, and I'm not gonna tell you what it was. You you know what it has been, but. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I do. I hear you. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of these things that I kind of I, I um and are about every time I rewatch it because it's kind of like um, going back to what we're saying about how Doc's character have uh, you know turned out and you know I've ummed and armed about what happened with him and you know initially what happened I, I was angry I just did not like how they did it at all but it's kind of you, you analyze it and grow on a little bit more so. I guess we'll talk about that across across the way, but yeah, I just I just love this opening sequence we get and we meet Fred and everything along those lines. Kind of leads us really into the conclusion, sort of from here. Um, you know, we we just throughout this we get a, a bit of uh, you know action again. Davis sort of disobeying Sully a little bit more when they're chasing down uh, one of the perps when he falls off the uh, the train platform. Uh, we also get a bit of a sequence there when it comes to Kim and. Uh, a Bobby, I think there's maybe a bit of that taste going back to what you're saying about do we know Bobby's in love with uh, Kim? It, I mean, we, going back to the cringeworthy scene of you know why did we still break up? And then we sort of got Kim saying like I'm over him, shut up, like you know. And Bobby doesn't even say anything; he's just looking at her like going, oh my god, seriously, get over him. And we kind of get this element, don't we? Of Bobby's clearly just shitty at Kim because Kim's like you're quiet, and then you know doesn't really say anything. So basically, from this point though. Um, Oh, actually, I should also mention uh, Bobby gets slapped by Dana. (laughs) Yeah, and there you go. And that was when I was like, so I don't think it was a spoiler so much because I remember when Kim was like, well, let me know when you find that perfect female or something. She said something like that. Yes, and that's when I was like, for me as a woman, I felt like that was implying like, and maybe to you, like, I don't know if a lot of people, maybe for anybody, but implied that there was something there for that, you know, because he gave that look like, I did find you. (laughs) There's, there's, it's not going to be touched on. I will say that it's not going to be really touched on until like later on. It's, you know, and then it's. I think it's. I think it's that implied sexual chemistry. You know, like we're we're getting. It's it's you know it's it's setting that up. Like whether or not he's in love with her or not. Like, kind of you know counterbalancing what we've got with Yokus and Bosco. Like there's no implied sexual chemistry there at all. But there's definitely implied sexual chemistry between Bobby and Kim. 
And even though it's not, you know, full-on sirens blaring in the first episode, you can tell. And particularly with that Jimmy element to see that Bobby gets so sort of hung up over Jimmy. And and this is one thing that, again, uh, the first season, it fades away a little bit. Like, this sort of love triangle, Jimmy, Bobby, and Kim. It it kind of goes away a little bit, I feel, by the end of this season. Um, but I, I know you and I talked about off-air when it comes to the Jimmy-Kim storyline it's something that is there for a while, and I actually, I like how that's wrapped up. Uh, again, we're jumping all over the place, and we're trying not to spoil it, but again, Kimmy, Kimmy, Kim, Jimmy, Kimmy, Jimmy, that's what we just call their, uh, Kim, Jimmy, I don't know, their, their couple's name, um, but, Jimmy, yeah, it's, Kimmy. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good, I like it, and I mean, Kim, I, I was madly in love with Kim Raver growing up. I mean, I'm, I think she's absolutely gorgeous. She's, you know, one of my favourite actresses just because, you know, not only because she went from 3 to 24, I've seen her in other things as well. And I don't know, I always get excited seeing Kim Raver in things. And if we can ever get a Kim Raver interview, I will be fanboying big time. But, um, you know, I think she's gorgeous. I think she's a great actress. And I guess similar to kind of what we're saying with Yokus, it's there's not a whole lot of it that really is kind of... She's this female. I mean, we get a bit of that in season uh, episode two. I feel kind of with what will happen in that episode with with her and Jimmy, kind of almost getting treated differently because she is a woman. But she stands up for herself. I feel Kim like she doesn't take it laying down. And she, again, she's another very strong female character. And something that maybe Third Watch doesn't get that credit for is it has very strong female characters that are that are never really, I guess, emphasised they're weaker because they're female and that's what I think it does so well again going back to what I was saying about Yokus you never really just even you know realise that she's anything but just as equal and everything even better and stronger than some yeah. of her male counterparts similar to Kim exactly. similar to she's Kim and she's very highly respected both of them and you don't touch more on actually how Kim is a mom more than how she is a female you know especially in this next episode They'll touch more about how she's a mom, cause you know what I, if you know what I mean, by some of the scenes and what happens and what Jamie gives her for her birthday, and which is in the next season. And so they'll touch more about her being a mom. But in terms of being females, they don't take away like, well, she's a female, so she can't do this. Or Yokus is a female, so she can't go chase down a perp. Yokus is badass. Absolutely. Yokus, <laughs> what Bosco does, Yokus will do, <laughs> you know? And you're going to see some sides to Yokus that you're going to be like, what? Like later on down the road, you think... It would be like the roles were reversed. Like, something Bosco would do, and Bosco's like, Yoko, you sure you want to do that? And Yoko's is like, well, F th- fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to do it. You know? <laughs> and I love yeah, that. I love that same. side of Yoko. Completely You don't great. see it much, but when you do... When you do, man, it is it's bad. And one, one thing I will say, it's uh, do we even get reference in this first episode that Kim's a mother? I don't even think it's mentioned in the first episode. I don't think it's until episode two we find out that she's even a mother. She says she has a nine-year-old, and that he... She's a six-year-old. Remember the uh, ambulance was dirty. Oh, and the right. People, yeah, the, right. You're the, very right. The very opening scene. How am I forgetting that? Yeah. Like my six-year-old does. Yeah, you're right. Yes, yes, true. Yeah. True, true. I forgot that. Um, so basically, yeah, it kind of closes up. We get uh, we get reports of shots fired. So uh, Jerry, uh, Doc, and Carlos are the first on the scene to this building having a good conversation. You know, Jimmy, uh, Jerry, sorry, is obviously disappointed that his food is uh, going to be ruined. They're walking up the stairs, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we have gunshots. Jerry is shot, falls down the stairs. Uh, you know, it's, it's shocking. It comes out of nowhere. 
and then sort of through this we have a we have this guy at the top of the stairs he's crazy he's yelling all these things you know doc screaming you know we're paramedics we're unarmed doc is kind of panicking he's wanting to help jerry so he kind of leans in to try and get to him in the process this this uh, unseen gunman shoots him again carlos is pinned up against the wall uh and kind of through this we uh, eventually get davis and sully showing up uh, Davis is told to stay in the car. Sully doesn't want him to, you know, come in and get dangerous. I mean, look, I can see it to a point, but again, your police, like, you kind of need that backup, but I guess he's being obviously very protective of him. So, yeah. So, Sully, Sully comes in, sort of gets some information. Davis doesn't listen. He comes running in and literally goes running up the stairs, and we get this great scene of sort of Sully and Davis, just, again, that early dynamic of these characters. Davis is just so gung-ho. He's like, oh, here we go. This is why I'm a cop. You know, I'm going to go up and try and... But Sully, obviously, you know, he's like, he's cautious. Um, he's, you know, scared also because obviously he's got this relationship with um, with Davis. And then we, we get this great scene on the roof. So well so well acted. Skip Sardis, just amazing actor. I mean, again, talking about people who've been around for a long time, Skip Sardis had been in plenty of things leading up to Third Watch. And again, one of these people who I just, I'm so sad that we don't seeing him more things. I mean, he's an amazing actor. Probably one of the uh, a season four episode, which is just completely related to his character. I have to say, the best acted episode of Third Watch and how Skip Sardis did not get nominated for like an Emmy or a Golden Globe baffles me to this day. And I, I, I want to say with Sully's character, like when it comes to relating to certain things, Sully's maybe the one that I relate to the most when it comes to a lot of his characters. There is a, a there is a, an episode, uh, I, I believe it's season four, which um, I don't generally cry a lot when it comes to TV shows and movies. I, I always cry in this one episode and it's down to Sully. And yeah, jumping ahead. But Skip Sardis... I cry at the end of this one every time. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> Not cry. I get, ter- I get teary-eyed. I don't cry. I get... Because it's so powerful. Well, I get teary-eyed at the end. I'll talk about getting teary-eyed at the end. But, yeah, this scene on the roof, Sully, Davis, you know, just this whole whole scene of him just going off at Davis and being so gung-ho, like, you know, I'm your partner, you know, you've got to listen to me. You know, I, I don't want... Davis, you're not my father. Yeah, I don't want... Yeah, exactly. You're not my father. And it's like, no, you're not. I'm your partner. And then it's like, I don't want you to getting shot. I've made that call already to your mum. I don't want to do it again. Like, it's, it's just so powerful. Yeah. He grabs him by like- the face. And I actually, again, um, on that the documentary on the uh, on the DVD, when they're interviewing Kobe Bell, who plays Davis, he's basically saying, like, in this scene, he had no idea that Skip Sardis was going to grab his face and, like, be full into it. And, like, Kobe Bell's there going, like, wow, this guy's an amazing actor. I had no idea he was going to do this. The scene just, like, that was all improv there by Skip. So, th- nice. it's, it's brilliant. Like, yeah. That hit, that hit the feels because uh, it just got more intense when he did that. Because and then Davis is like, oh, and Davis played it right back. If that was improv, Davis, I mean, Kobe Bell played it right back perfectly yeah. with how he responded to that. You know, because you could never tell that was improv. <laughs> yeah, it was just incredible. It's just incredible. And sort of through this, um, so it kind of it closes out. Um, and this is kind of where I get a bit teary-eyed. One thing that Third Watch does across its six seasons, which is frustrating, it often forgets certain elements about what they've said before with characters. Certain characters' names will just change mysteriously over the years. We get uh, actors who play multiple characters across years, like they've almost forgotten about them. Um, but one thing it does very well is in this very first episode, it closes out with this song. It's called Battersea by Hoover Phonic. We get it playing over the top 
of this closing elements where we've got Jerry in the ambulance taken into the hospital and they're all the scene basically ends with all of them in the hospital all the major characters with the exception of Jimmy Jimmy's not there but all the police all the paramedics are there you know worried about Jerry and we close out with To Be Continued Sunday but that song Battersea by Huberphonic is the very last song we also hear in this entire show it closes it out in the final episode in season six and that's what gets me teary-eyed that song uh, hits an emotional chord with me. The lyrics in that song, I've, that that song has played a huge part in my life over the years. Can I just point that out? It's a song that I can't listen to without genuinely tearing up or crying. It's a beautiful song. Uh, Hooverphonic actually has some amazing music. There's a band that probably no one's ever really heard of, but look them up. They've got some great songs. They do use a few more of their songs across across the series run too, but that song, how it closes out, um, yeah, it, you can't help but get a bit teary-eyed, I feel, at the end of this episode. You can't, and with, well, like, because we're at the part where Doc is now, they're now rushing to get Jerry to the hospital, and that's when the song plays, and the song is, like, it's played at the perfect time, because Doc is like, Jerry, keep your mask on, like, he's trying to keep his friend alive, and Jerry's in shock, and I think for me, what gets me terrorized is the song, but also, like, these characters, they mess with each other all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you said, like, uh, Carlos in the beginning, who's like, Duba, please watch, watch our uh, ambulances. And then, who was it? Doc was like, who, who said that to him? Like, it would be safer in a in front of a Dunkin' Donut? I think it's, donut G- I think it's Jerry. Said? I think it's actually Jerry who says that. Jerry. Okay, yeah. But then, at the end, you see them all come together. You know, for Jerry. And that's what I love about this show. It's like, no matter how, how, how much they mess with each other, no matter how bad it gets, the loyalty is so there with every one of them. You know, and I think that's what got me terry-eyed. We're seeing them all come together for Jerry at the end, you know, and like Kim and Doc, Doc when Kim was holding his hand and at the end, and I mean the song is also powerful. Like that's the thing about the music. Like the mute, they I don't think they ever really chose a wrong song for I a moment. I completely agree. I mean, there's just there's a couple songs. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But then when you watch the whole show, you're, you're like, oh man, I can see why. You know, the soundtrack is awesome. Like you said, if they ever release the score, the the soundtrack. I'll put money up for that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, what we, it's, we, we recently started covering Nip Tuck as well here on uh, on the Oz Network. And I, I'd say between Nip Tuck and Third Watch, two shows that I guess emotionally resonate me so well. It's through the music, through the scenes, and just kind of, you know, incorporating things that are across your life and when you've watched them, you know, at certain points in your life and things like that. And, you know, I can't help but across so many of these episodes of both Nip Tuck and Third Watch just get emotional um, you know, because you connect them to certain things. I love what you're talking about there about the fact that when all the characters um, come together, basically at that point, and uh, so there. My, my, I will say right now, my favorite episode, and I, I will argue the greatest episode of Third Watch across the uh, the run is in season two. It's the episode called After Hours, where basically the entire episode revolves around all of the characters after their shift. Uh, all their lives intertwining with each other and kind of dealing with a certain event that's happened that day. And we get a closing scene in that episode where all the characters are on a beach. Uh, they're all at Coney Island, I believe it is. And th- the song that is played over the top of that, uh, Give Me Strength uh, by, I can't remember the name of the band right now, again, similar to this Hoover Phonic song. And like that that episode is just, it's it's ultimately the perfect TV episode. It is done so well. And I, I'm with you. I love these scenes when they are all kind of together. Like, no matter how much they razz on each other, you know, their rivalries, their kind of whatever it is, 
they're all a bunch of people who are leading these, you know, pretty hectic jobs that are dangerous, that are they're so emotional, but they're all still chilling with each other. And, and like, if there's a show that you could say you want to hang out with the cast, like the characters, like if they were real people, um, and just, like, be with these people, Third Watch is mine. And, like, you know. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, the show... I think I told you about my background a little bit, like how I wanted to be a police officer because of this show, you know, and I was a foster kid. So like seeing the family dynamic, I wanted to become a cop just so I could have that, <laughs> even though this is a show, you know, but it's just that inspiring. You see the, the characters, the friendships. It's like we must of each other, but if you must of us, it doesn't matter if you're a, par- they're a paramedic or fireman, this is family. So you go after one of our own, we're coming after you. And you're going to see that in the next episode as well, you know, but Yes, if there's one cast to hang with, it would be Third Watch, and it's just, <laughs> it has, Third Watch definitely hasn't had an impact in my life growing up, you know, to my values, to, like, the characters, to me wanting to become a police officer, which I still kind of do at times, you know, because of this show, and when I see this show again, it makes me want to go out there and take the test and see if I can become a cop, just to see if I can get yeah, that family dynamic. Or, I have faith in you. You can go out there and become a cop so you can help us out on these episodes more, so you can tell us more behind-the-scenes things of becoming a cop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look, I, look. I, I'm not going to deny. I, I, I've thought about becoming a police officer plenty of times before. The difference is here, Brain, is I have no. I'm not brave. I'm a wuss, so I would be terrible at being a police officer. I would be a chicken. I would be just terrible. But like, I mean, I a lot of. I, I'm madly obsessed with New York City. I've always been in love with that. Uh, you know, I've luckily been there twice. I just love that place so much. And a never huge. You've ne- how have you live in America and never been to New York, Brandy? Come on. <laughs> I, grew, I grew. I grew up poor. Right. Okay. Well. Well. Well, and, and that's, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't have it like I that. I feel bad now or, saying that. I, I feel bad. but <laughs> No, you're good. You're good. You're good. No, because, like, I'm, I asked myself to say, I'm like, how the heck are you? Like, I told you I grew up, I'm close to Seattle. I'll, okay. The first time I've been to Seattle was when I was, like, uh, I was 13 mm-hmm. when I went to Seattle for the first time. <laughs> so, I mean, we didn't get out like that. But New York, I got to go. You know, I have to see it. The firehouse. And actually, that's where I wanted to be a police officer, too, was NY, New York. That's where I wanted to be one. Because I wanted to, like, we live, third watch, and we're like... <laughs> well, believe, like, when I actually... It's funny, because, again, so much of my obsession with New York. And, like, the first time I went, as I said, I went out to... um to see the firehouse and you go across to Queens and I remember getting off the subway and just straight away you felt like you were in third watch because I I think the majority of these like third watch is majority filmed in the boroughs of New York I don't actually think much of it is filmed in Manhattan at all um even though I think it's kind of implied it's in Manhattan but it's not really. Um, I mean, you can kind of tell that with a lot of the shots anyway, when you've got, like, you can see how far the Empire State Building and the skyline is in the distance. Like, you can tell you're not in downtown Manhattan. But when I got off the subway and you're in that sort of area of Queens, like, just the the neighbourhood, you got the vibe. You're like, okay, this is Third Watch. This is where I am. And actually, one thing I noticed in this first episode, kind of going way back to the beginning when we were talking about that opening scene when Bosco's chasing Puppet and all that sort of stuff, is um, when they run down that alley... And uh, you've got mm-hmm. the uh, Yoko's following in the police car. I'm pretty sure that's the same alley that we will see in the hundredth episode, um, which is the oh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. You'll know the one I'm talking about. Uh, I'll have to mention to you off air without spoiling it. But uh, it's um, the one where they're basically trying to find that body that's hidden in that shed. 
Um, and they've got that young blonde guy who's like cut his hand. You know the one I'm talking about, right? That's, um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the same av- alley. And that's a weird little thing I've never noticed before. But they use the area around it so well. And kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, like New York is a character of this show. And like, it's, it's done so well. I actually, cause I always kind of thought it was filmed on a soundstage and they just filmed some external bits in New York. But I, I did a tour of, um, Warner Studios one time I was in Los Angeles and cause I know Warner produced Third Watch. So I remember talking to one of the people there and I said, Hey, do you know much about Third Watch? And they're all like, yeah, look, I love that show. I remember that show. And I'm like, was that filmed here? And the guy was saying to me like, no, that was completely filmed in New York. None of that was filmed here. And I'm like, wow, okay, I I thought maybe some of the internals would have been filmed here. And he's like, nope, even the internals were filmed in New York. They would always find an abandoned building or somewhere where they could make it, you know, with the the, uh, show. So that's where, like, there are some shows which obviously the city plays a huge part in uh, a show. But, like, New York, again, that documentary is amazing because the, the creators will be saying in it that, like, they're filming on the streets of New York. They're, like, and people in New York will not stop for anything, even if there's a TV show being filmed. So there are scenes when, like, a bike messenger would roll past them and, like, they've just completely entered the set. Like, they're not meant to, but they don't give a shit. So they've literally left that in there because it looks more authentic. And they would also say that, like, say they're walking near a subway and a, a train goes over the top of them, the actors would stop and say, like, okay, we can't do it. And then the director would be like, no, 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 keep going. That's part of the scene. If you're cops in New York, a subway is going over the top of you or a train, you're going to be shouting over the top of it. So, like, there's just so many things of that that they do so well with playing New York into this show. And, again, you saying about how you wanted to be a cop, like, New York, this just increased my love for the city based on this show. It's... Yeah, it has. It has. I mean, I didn't know much about New York. I wasn't really into New York until this show. And then once this show came out, I was in love with New York. And I still am. Like, I actually, as we're talking, I'm wearing a New York hoodie. <laughs> for this I was wearing I was wearing my NYPD hoodie, yes, actually. And I'm, I'm, I'm finally, you mentioned Seattle. I'm actually sitting here wearing a Seattle T-shirt. So, there we go. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> oh, wait, see? And so, I mean, this show... I definitely recommend, like, if you guys love ER or Chicago PD, you know, anything like that, Third Watch, you can get seasons, season one and two on pretty much Amazon, eBay, your local library might even have it, but it's one of those shows you just don't want to miss. You don't want to miss. And we're not going to make you miss it, because we're, we're, we're planning on covering all 132 episodes here. I mean, we've literally gone yes, for, we like, are. we've gone for an hour and 40 minutes so far. This is the longest TV one we've ever done, but I don't care, because this is worth it, and we're always going to be longer. And y'all going to sit here and listen. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, and it's, because it's just that show, like, I feel like it hasn't gotten, I feel like we got to give it the attention that it did not deserve. It did not get. It deserved so much more attention than it got, you know. And when I asked my friends, like, "Hey, did you watch Third Watch?" or "Do you know about?" They're like, "What are you talking about? What show is that?" And I'd be so insulted because well, <laughs> I'm can like, I just "Point out too, Brandy. I believe we are the very first podcast ever to podcast about Third Watch. So we are yes. in the history of the world. Nobody has ever covered Third Watch. And again, please message us in if I'm I'm completely making this up. But from what I can see, no one has ever." podcast about third watch before so we're creating history today <laughs> we are because you know and i'm because sh- i'm truly shocked like when i do the google sh- search and i'm like third watch you know episodes people write about the show so i'm like oh, okay but then you don't ever you don't even find anything active about yep. third watch like you're fine 
form, forming like little threads that were active like in the 1999, 2000, exactly. 2001. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer active. And it's like, what? I actually, I actually <laughs> think the official website for the show, which is very mid-2000s official website, I think it's run by Warner Brothers. I actually think it's still active. And it's like, it's very, you know, it's kind of funny looking at it now. But yeah, it's um, hopefully we can at least... We can at least change some people's minds, or if you, again, discovering this, you subscribe to us on iTunes, you're just listening to it because you love hearing my voice, um, you can go back and find it and watch it. One thing we do, Brandy, at the end of every single episode, uh, we close it out by, basically, we need to give it sort of a rating. So, we have a, a three-tiered rating system of what you would want to do with this episode. We basically say, is this episode so good, it's brilliant, that you would buy it? and keep it on your shelf so it's there for you to rewatch all the time. Would you rent it? Like, maybe it's like, a, oh, hey, I'll go to my library, watch it. Yeah, it's not too bad, but I wouldn't want to watch it that frequently. Or is it so terrible, you bin it, you don't like it, you've watched it once in this podcast, you never want to watch it again. So I'm going to ask you that in every single one of these episodes. So what would you do with this, Brandy? Would you buy it, rent it, or bin it? I would buy it. It's the first. It's the first episode. It sets everything. You know. I mean, even if I don't watch it like consistently, because like I said, there's more episodes I love. But it's the first one that sets the tone. I feel like in order to get the dynamic, you gotta watch like some of the first episodes, yeah. and then you see it because it's like I said, it jumps right into things. And so the first episode, buy it. Or <laughs> for others, I'm not sure, but I would buy it. What about you? Oh, buy it in a heartbeat. Uh, I think one thing you're probably gonna find. And I'm just, I'm trying to literally think about this right now. I, I, I cannot possibly fathom if there's any episode of this show I would ever bin it. Um, I mean, there will be some that will be renters over buying it, but this is the one show that I'm kind of scared to do this rating system of branding because I kind of feel that I might do 132 buy it. But uh, we're going to try and be completely uh, unbiased, I guess. But yeah, no, there's not, not a question in my mind that you would not buy this episode. I mean, it's a great pilot. It sets this show up so well. And, I mean, look, again, if nobody's ever seen this and goes back and just watches it on the pilot alone, there are some shows which the pilot does a good job at setting it up, but there's still not enough there that I feel that you would want to keep watching it. Exactly. I don't know like, I don't know if you're a Breaking Bad fan, but a lot of people would say to me before I watch Breaking Bad, like, it starts off slow, you've got to stick with it. I, I disagree with that. I think Breaking Bad came out pretty well. But, like, there are some shows which really, like as such a fan of 24 as I am, and that first episode of 24 is great, but I can also see the argument why that first episode, again, is slightly not as selling it well as it probably could for a show as as action-packed as 24. Third Watch, to me, is one of the best pilots of any TV shows out there. It, like, there's, there's not much you can say in this that doesn't set the show up, besides our one cringeworthy, why did we break up scene, and maybe the baby drop scene, which again, look, you know, I, I still am a bit iffy on. It's, it, it just sets it up so well. The characters, their jobs, just everything with it. So I, I would find it hard pressed to find a, a near, you know, better pilot than any TV show than this. I think it's up there as one of the best pilots of any TV show. I would, honestly, I would buy it just for the ending as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, would. I would. That ending, uh, it's just one of those, you just, it's the ending. It's, some shows, even like some shows, like just the whole show alone can start off strong and then like end just bad. But the ending, I feel like, was even more like powerful than the beginning. The beginning was it set it up action paced. It was funny. It drawed you in. But the ending was like, I got to see what happens again because it was just so powerful, you yeah. know. And well, I would just buy it for the ending alone. 
I'll buy that one scene. Look, I'm sure, I'm sure you probably could somewhere. <laughs> I want to take this opportunity. Thank everybody for listening to this again. We've, we've gone way longer on this first episode than we thought we would, but we don't care. Um, please stay tuned. We're going to be pumping these out and bringing you this. Our aim is to cover all the episodes. We want to do it. It may take us a while, but we don't care as long as we get it out there. If you've got any comments, questions, anything you want to add to it on Third Watch, maybe you've got your own experiences with the show, maybe you've rediscovered this and thinking, wow, I actually really like that show. Uh, or any questions or anything you want to include with us, please contact us, the Oz Network at hotmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, like the page, uh, as well as follow us on Twitter. And uh, the easiest way to get these episodes, of course, is to subscribe directly to us on iTunes. And while you're there, remember to rate us, feedback, everything else in between. And also, we are now officially on Stitcher for our Android users. Uh, Stitcher Radio app is available, and you can find us on there as well this has been a lot of fun so much fun i just want to sit here and cover all 132 episodes right now but i guess we kind of need to do other things besides that uh my name is ben and uh why did we break up (laughs) because you slept with my sister oh sorry about that (laughs) it's okay i mean (laughs) is it oh okay then well i'm glad you're that forgiving it's okay i mean what can i do (laughs) i've learned not to dwell on it Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.